produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers Three, Derek, Ken, and myself, Mike. And oh, by the way, Derek, you're now on Mighty Marvel Geeks as well. I am. Yeah. By the way, of Eric, who I accidentally called Derek last night, <laughs> which tells you where I stand with this cold that was starting when you and I had recorded Weeby Geeks earlier in the week. Well, that's all right. I think you've called me Eric in the past, so as long as we don't call Ken late to dinner, I think we're okay. Pretty much. So, um, check out the website, wookieradio.net. Check out um, the links down the right-hand side of the page. Uh, one of those has a, an image that has rotating images inside of it. That's our new store. Check it out. You get shirts, hats, uh, tank tops, sweatshirts, baseball jerseys, hockey jerseys. Pick one up. Uh, help support the show. Get the word out there. If you buy a shirt, we want to see you wearing it on social media and be sure to tag us at Wookie Radio. So, um, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> uh, I'm okay. It's been a rough week. Yeah, but um to I'm, I'm gonna address you both as Mr. Award winners. Oh yeah, that's right. So we uh, won Best Movie-Based Podcast from the West Coast International Film Festival. It is awesome. So we are an award-winning show. That is fantastic. And, and, and one of the cool things is um, I had heard through the grapevine that a lot of the jury members and judges are not sci-fi fanatics and really not into the pop culture stuff. So, I mean... This one is really cool for that, that they even gave us, you know, gave us a listen and gave us that strong of consideration. So that, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. That says where, where we're at and just how cool it is. So uh, congrats to you guys on that for, for helping be a part of such a, a great thing. And, and thank you, the listeners, for that as well. Yeah. Congratulations to you, Mike, too. You put a lot of, I mean, Derek and I are on here every week and talking and stuff, but you put a lot of the work behind the scenes on all this. Oh, I appreciate it. It's, it's not easy. Believe me. <laughs> and Oh, I know as I do it for my other shows, so. <laughs> and, and I have with stuff going on at work and everything else. I have fallen behind on quite a few things, but um, things are slowly getting on track, so I'm going to be able to 
to get there and slowly get things completely caught up. But uh, let's go ahead and start off with uh, a show that came out last week or an episode that came out yeah. last week. Not besides ours. It was last week. For us, this is the most current episode, and it is Triple Dark. Now, I wasn't here for last week's episode for, um, what was it, The Recruit? The Recruit. I, and I was able to put in on that because and i do want to thank the other guys from the smugglers alliance for filling in for me since i wasn't able to make it but um i i'm loving this show so far and the art style some of it when you get the close-up of the um people in the um aliens it looks a little strange but when you get the longer shots and things they're beautiful the way this is done yeah and it's totally that we've seen from star wars animation yet and uh but one thing i was wondering when did how did Leia? Now this is a story they got to tell at some point. How did Leia get the Tantive Four back from the Empire? Um, in 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 a fan in um a New Hope, they capture it. Vader tells them to launch the or send in a stress call and tell tell the Senate that everybody was killed. And that's the last thing you hear from that ship. But last we heard, it was in Imperial hands. When did she get it back? There, uh, there was nothing ever implied that that was the Tantive Four. Yeah, it's just a Corellian Corvette. Or it, it's, it's just said, a Corvette. But Poe said, Poe said in the episode, this is the ship that was in the Battle of Scarif. The right. ship that left Scarif went straight to Tatooine. I, he never specified. At the end of Rogue One is right before A right. New Hope. But he never specified so that it went to Tatooine. But the ship that was at the Battle of Scarif is the one that went to Tatooine. Because that's when Leia was on that they had the plans. Right. It doesn't matter what the name of the ship is. The ship that they're on at, in Resistance is the one the Empire took in the impound or it had taken control of. I I don't think that was ever stated or implied. All, all no, that, I don't think so either. Only thing Poe said was, uh, this is a ship that was at the Battle of... Battle Scarif. of Scarif and and served through the the Battle of Jakku. Mm-hmm. If you there remember, was a, 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 Corvette. No, there's more than one in, in Rogue One. I'll have to go back and look, but I could have swore the the way that the way it reads is that this is the same ship that um, has been with the Organa family since the beginning. So I'm wondering where did that, when did she get it back? Right. Uh, I'm checking Wikipedia right now. Yeah, check the episode of The Recruit. It should say what that ship was. So, anyway, let's continue on with Triple Dark. Uh, I've, well, I've I've been enjoying this show, and um, and all the little nods here and there are awesome. Little Easter eggs that are everywhere. And this one was um, no stop of it. And also, your Red Baron character, I that's I still haven't picked up his name. They've mentioned it a couple times. I don't remember it. I, but first time I saw it, I thought it was Cardinal. Do you guys remember him from the Phasma novel? Right. He was yeah, the yeah. only stormtrooper with red armor. And they made a point of that in the in there, but I don't think that's who this is. No. It's, I don't uh, think so either. His name is Major Varga. Unless that is Cardinal. We just, that's no, his actual name. It could be. But we gave him a new nickname last week. And I think we're like the only show to have brought it up. Uh, if if I remember correctly from what even Steven kind of confirmed in a roundabout way uh, with his review of us on Rocco Depot this week. And that is the major, uh, the major, the TIE fighter pilot, mm-hmm. Red Baron. Yeah. If, if, as you guys said last week, that makes sense. Considering <laughs> Filoni and everybody was basing so much on World War One and World War Two dogfights. Yeah. Which we definitely saw in this. With and, th- and those pirates were definitely flying ugly. Now, anybody who doesn't know what an ugly is, go back and you got to check out the X-Wing series um, of novels because an ugly is basically a ship that's a fighter ship that's cobbled together for pieces parts of everything else. Oh, actually, take a look in the Poe Dameron series. Yeah. Uh, Charles Soule and um, F- 
Phil. Oh, I can't. Noto. Noto drew, had uglies <clears throat> in the in the book. Yeah, they brought it, uglies back. Yeah, uh, I want to say the, starting around issue thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. So. Well, the cool thing is, if you go to the um, the galleries on StarWars.com for Star Wars Resistance, you can definitely see the um, pictures of yeah, these are definitely uglies because there's part pieces, parts of all kinds of other stuff in this. Right. Let me pull this gallery. Um. I'll get, I'll get into the episode itself here in a minute, but I'm just I, every every week I see this, I'm geeking out over all the little things I'm seeing here and there and everywhere. According to Wikipedia, uh, the Taint of Five. Uh, okay, uh, in in the following battle, the main reactor of the Taint of Five was shut down, and Imperial stormtroopers boarded the ship. Uh, Captain Antilles gave the order for civilians aboard to launch in the escape pod. Soon after, the Imperials destroyed the Taint of Four. Uh, before the Corvette's destruction, the droids R2-D2 and C-3PO escaped to Tatooine on one of the ship's escape pods. Okay. That's according to the history. There's no... Um, so what ship that's um, in the beginning of Resistance? I, that's up now. <laughs> yeah, that's my next step. But so, they're, but say, but they're saying that the, the Corvette used at the end of Revenge of the Sith that we see um, Balagana on is not the Tana 4. Okay. It's a completely different ship. Well, maybe it's just the Organas had a couple of different Corvettes like that. The, it was Could just be. the popular one they had. Sure, why not? They had money. Yeah, but I'm looking at in the one gallery here at the one pirate ship, and they call, have it just called Zero, and you can see parts on here. It's got looks like the the long triangle wings of the Tie Striker. It's got the side panels from maybe a Jedi Starfighter. <coughs> it's actually let me drop this in the um in the chat window here. But that was that was part of the fun when I was watching it was trying to see the different pieces yeah. on the ships. Yeah, there you go. Bring that picture up and look at this. You can see the center. I don't know. Is that almost looks like a, maybe an A-wing or something? Or no, that looks like the center looks like actually parts of another part of a maybe a Jedi Starfighter or something. It's awesome. There's at least three or four ships in this one. Uh, in, the, in here. You have a tie interceptor. Uh, it's an A-wing cockpit. Ah, uh, here's the other one I was looking at. The, it's actually in the article. The jets are look like they're from an A-wing. The outer jets. Wait, no, they don't. <laughs> I don't recognize those. Yeah. Well, that and also so, the um, other zero here, the shuttle. Looks like it's got yeah. parts. Lambda shuttle. It's got um, V-wing design on it. It's got all kinds of it. it this actually looks like a modified V-wing starfighter with a Lambda-class shuttle. You'd have this larger shuttle that they have that's actually in the article we're looking at. But um, let me, let's go into the actual show itself. We got um, Kaz gets himself in trouble again. Or actually, it's the nice thing is this is a show more for um, it's supposed to be aimed at younger audiences, but it does have a story that's carrying on from episode to episode. They're not self-contained episodes as a lot of the younger um, audience stuff is because the um, let me find his name is right here. Well, it, What's the name of the little guy that's old? Huh? It has a very uh, Saturday morning cartoonish. Each episode is self-contained, but you you do get a little. I mean, if you miss an episode, you're not going to be lost because each, yeah. each episode has, is self-contained and it has its own moral. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it will you, you will have a small thread that carries from one episode to the next. Yeah. Uh, part of that being... Well, plus there's the whole, the whole backstory of him trying to be a spy and everything. Yeah. Mm. That, that's a thread. 
Well, we do have the um the little guy that he beat in, or that um he was playing darts to now owes him money, which I'm assuming every episode of this we're gonna get him trying to get a hold of Kaz to get the money back, which is Probably. gonna be fun. But um and basically the, in this episode we get a Nemoidius and comes into the garage to get his ship worked on, uh, and we find out that he's actually spying for the um he's spying. For the pirate group in the area. Yeah. And, of course, Kaz thinks he's spying for the uh, First Order because everybody's spying for the First Order. That's what he's looking for is First Order spies. And thus, we have all kinds of shenanigans ensue. But some of the cool things we found in the episode this week, we could, um, Kaz has a stat, uh, actual, he is a racer because he has a statue that he won from racing back in Coruscant. And yep. the statue is supposedly made out of a rhodium, which actually was introduced into Star Wars back in 2000 with the novel Rogue Planet. It's supposedly extremely, extremely incredibly rare and even more rare than gold. The funny thing, though, is the use of AU in Aurorium is actually a nod to the atomic symbol for gold, which is AU on the periodic table. Or it's another way of calling some alien across the Colossus, AU. Exactly. Well, next up, we did get the introduction of Asthma into um, Star Wars Resistance. And she, the Phasma design here looks amazing, and it is Gwendolyn Christie, Christie playing Phasma. Um, we do find out that the pirates are actually working for the First Order, so Kaz may not have been too far off when he thought this guy was um, that the Nemoidian was actually the guy spying for the First Order. Right. He was spying for the pirates who are working for the First Order anyway. Uh, next up is there's a lot of nods to the now a lot of people have um, I've we've heard complaints on here and all over the internet of um, Disney ignoring the uh, uh, prequel trilogy. Well, this episode, like I said, the um, the new character that came into the thing is a Nemoidian in a classic throwback to a Nemoidian shuttle. According to here, it's a Republic era uh, Sheathapede shuttle. It's very similar to what we saw in the um, prequel trilogy. Right. Um, and the, there's aliens as it, as last week. There was aliens everywhere. We get um, Nemoidians, like I said, Nictos, Rodians. Um, Murielons, Godel, Nautilans, Ithorians, Snivians, Alina, Clatoonians, Arcona, Quarren, Hosks, Trandoshans, and more. So there is people from all over the galaxy and all over Star Wars um, timeline in this. And I keep forgetting um, where the um, the name of Kit Fisto's race, but they were the Clatoonians, aren't they? I think so. Okay. I don't remember. Well, all, at Oddball two weeks ago, we had the 501st out there. I didn't get a chance to get any pictures, but they had a beautiful spot-on Kit Fisto walking around. And the makeup and the um, the mask for that was amazing. But back into this, <laughs> uh, you talk about the pirate, huh? Just laughing. Yeah, they talk about the pirates here, what the pirates were wearing a little bit. All the pirate gear, costume, ships, accessories was originally created from leftover Imperial parts from Star Wars A New Hope to to Return of the Jedi. The original design um, brief, according to Lucasfilm's Dave Filoni and Kerry Hart, stated that the First Order would be providing or um, providing the old Imperial tech, weapons, and uniforms to the pirates as part of their trade deal. It is nice to see, though, that Dave Filoni actually, I think, has more to do with the series than we thought he did. I know we were speculating that Dave may have come up with the idea and just handed it off to someone else. But it looks like he's um, pretty involved in this still, too, even though we know he's getting ready to do some directing with The Mandalorian. or He's probably already done that. Mm. Uh, next up, we got the pirate ships. We talked about that some, but it says each pirate, each pirate and ship have their own theme. But 
were heavily influenced by chop shop hot rod cars and trucks, which we've actually talked about being um, uglies. Now, the leader's pirate ship is a Lambda-class shuttle with several modifications, added guns, more powerful engines, and added wing. And um, I, it, like I said, the front end looks like a Lambda shuttle. And it looks like they took um, a modified V-wing starfighter for the backside of it, including the tail fin that flips up and around. It has the gun on it. Is that a V-wing? Or, yeah, I think that was the V-wing. Or ARC-170s look similar to this, too. Yeah. Next up is um, Unleashed the Kragen. And Kragen is the leader of the pirates. It is Kragen Gore. He wears mostly AT-AT commander's gear, um, like General Veers, customized with spikes and paint. He's a Quarren and also sports a prosthetic arm and has lots of scars and missing part of, of his facial tentacles. Now, the um, one beside him, the his co-pilot, I'm assuming that's going to be the um, the missing character that we're getting the action figure for, since she's wear- obviously wearing a mask, and they showed a couple yes. times with oh, the mask. Oh, right, yeah. So we have seen her. Or whoever that is. Uh, Sarah, Sarah and Sam, something like that. Saren Sin. Is that the one that was supposed to be um, Han's wife or something back in the comic books? No. No, that was Sana. That was Sana. I was saying, because uh, the name there sounds familiar. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, just uh, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Kit Fisto is a Nautilin. Nautilin, okay. Well, Because there was one of those on the ship or on the platform also. Yes. Huh. Yeah, there it is. They do have it on the list. But um, yeah, so whoever, but the name that um, I've heard for this other character, it sounds familiar. I think it's from somewhere else in Star Wars also. We've seen her before. Next up, patchwork. The different mechanics on the platform have special patches that designate their specialty or area assigned. And different colors of the patch, of the same patch, indicate a lower or higher level of experience. TAMS is red, signifying the highest level of mechanic expertise. Acquisitions and janitorial have their own patches as well. And of course, watching this episode, you see that Kaz should not have any mechanics patch. And then lastly, we had on here that um, it's all in the missing details. Yeager is meant to have had his jacket since he was young. Intentionally, there is a missing patch on his left arm, but a dark spot can be seen where it used to be. And the rank badge and existing patch on the front of his jacket are unexplained. All these were intentionally on the design side, or intentional on the design side, and meant to add mystery to his past, which we hopefully we will see later on in the um, shows. But like I said, the, the, um, a lot of people are saying how this is a, a kids show, but I think this is required watching for Star Wars fans if you want to, because they are putting some canon in there. But this is just Star Wars back to just being fun again. Yeah, these last one. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, well, Clone Wars was meant to be a kids show too in the beginning. And it is a show that grew with the kids that it was targeted for. Mm-hmm. While this is still, quote unquote, a kid's show, um, it's almost like Looney Tunes. Yes. Aimed for yeah. kids, but still set for the adults as well. Well, look at Rebels. Rebels came in as aiming at younger audiences than uh, Clone Wars. Because Clone Wars obviously had a lot of adults and older teens watching. Well, they were aiming at Rebels. At, uh, Rebels was aimed at the younger audience. And it ended up with a lot of story and a lot of canon coming out of Rebels. Right. It's probably going to end up doing the same thing. Most likely. Most likely. Well, Rebel or Resistance is not the only thing going on for series. No. No, in fact, we have another live action show that we've talked about a little bit, and that's The Mandalorian. And uh, some interesting set photos have come out lately revealing some interesting things. So is this live? Uh, Something like that. (laughs) 
Of course, um, we know that The Mandalorian is being run by Jon Favreau. Um, and it's going to have a group of diverse and talented directors calling shots on various episodes. Uh, although right now, details are, of course, limited. Uh, we're kind of getting trickles of them little by little. So that also means there's a lot of rumors coming out. And uh, what we do know about The Mandalorian is that it will fill in parts of the 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, with the currently unnamed protagonist operating out of the watchful eye of the New Republic. Um, there, there should be plenty of new elements and characters, but it should also bring back some classic aspects, uh, as we've seen. Um, for example, in the latest pictures to come out, um, it shows two actors dressed in traditional stormtrooper costumes. Uh, neither of them have a helmet, so it's unknown whether they are regular stormtroopers or scout troopers or what. But the photo does confirm that Imperial stormtroopers will at least be in the background of the show. Now... Okay. One second. <laughs> that was on your end this time, wasn't it? it yeah, it was. Um, Fine. Some, something, yeah, something was just trying to update. Um, anyway, so, of course... Hmm? Your turn, Ken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, of course, uh, you may be wondering, how could there be stormtroopers if the Empire lost the Galactic Civil War in Return of the Jedi? Um, of course, you know, if you've read any of the books or anything, you know that Though the Emperor was killed and the Death Star was destroyed and the Empire was virtually destroyed, um, there are still remnants around. Uh, in fact, in the opening crawl for The Force Awakens states that the First Order rose from the ashes of the Empire. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of non-movie canon material that have fleshed out how Imperial sympathizers were active within the government and laid the foundation for the First Order. So uh, even though it might be odd to see full-blown stormtroopers uh, at this point in the Star Wars timeline, it is possible uh, that they could still be around. Perhaps, uh, perhaps they were chased out to the galaxy's outer rim uh, as they hid from Republic authorities that would want to apprehend them. And uh, who knows how how prominently they will feature in The Mandalorian, but they probably would, most likely would be just background characters at most. So we still have a lot to, to learn about the show. We haven't even found out the whole principal cast yet. No, but the rifle. We've not found out any, huh? The rifle. Oh, man. Yeah. I thought you said the rock for a second. Uh, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> The rifle, which we talked about on last week's show, was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, looks it's likely that uh, we're going to hear too much marketing from the Mandalorian, Mandalorian yet. Uh, possibly more by next year's celebration, where it seems likely that the first trailer might debut. Uh, but hopefully there will be more official announcements in the future to tide us over as we wait. Okay. Well, um, apparently the maker himself stopped by the set of The Mandalorian this week. Maker. What's that? Thank the maker. Oh, yes. 
um, George Lucas stopped by, uh, and, and he's known um, for stopping by regularly on the various projects to see how they're being developed. Um, so, you know, for him to show up on the set of The Mandalorian is not, I mean, it's a surprise, but not that great of a surprise. I think it's just a surprise of what day he did and not waiting till maybe later down the road. But Favreau on Instagram sh- shared a picture of him and Lucas on set. And it looks like he, they've got a nice bottle of Skywalker r- wine sitting on the counter. Um, and according to Favreau, it says birthday surprise. Yeah. Well, cool thing is you look around the back of that picture, you don't get a whole lot, but it does. It is still looking like that same outpost area that the earlier pictures are from. looks like so far everything is in that rustic area. Yeah, it definitely, uh, as we talked about, has a very Wild West uh, Western TV show vibe to it. Like maybe Gunsmoke or maybe uh, The Rifleman. Mm-hmm. I've heard it um, a, a couple of places we're talking about um, comparing this looks wise to like some of the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns, the man with no yeah. name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I prefer those westerns, I prefer stuff like kung fu myself. Yeah, <laughs> but this isn't going to fit the kung fu theme. No. Uh, Gunsmoke, definitely. I can see where it's going to have you know, some ties somewhere to Gunsmoke. Uh, maybe even a wild, wild west. Feel to I'll it. say put Wild Wild West in there and get a little bit of comedy. Yeah. As long as there's no Will Smith. <laughs> True. Um, now, we at least have the fighter. Uh, maybe not. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there isn't much to, to tell from the background other than it appears to be a restaurant or possibly a cantina. Um, but you know, various reports on different Lucasfilm projects have revealed he's still making suggestions here and there uh, without ever interfering with the filmmaker's vision. Uh, most recently, Lucas offered a suggestion that helped define a scene in Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, yeah, while Lucas was visiting the production of that, a, uh, a scene between Solo and Kira was being filmed, which took place inside of Lando's cape closet. And uh, the scene originally featured Han taking Kira, Kira's cape and hanging it up until Lucas interjected with something more faithful to the character he created. He said, you know, Han wouldn't bother to hang it up. Um, and then he sort of did it. George became Han Solo for a second. The body language was there. And the attitude, not only is it a nice accent on the scene, but it's also a reminder that George created this character and really understood him. So he was reluctant to, he was so reluctant to offer his opinion. And yet the choice was so right. It was fun to see. Um, now, not all the f- fans of the franchise have appreciated what Disney has done with the saga, and uh, we're not going to get into that. But Lucas him- himself has claimed that the fans wouldn't have enjoyed his initial plans either for the sequel trilogy. So here's the man coming out going, take it for what it is, but if I didn't sell it to Disney, y'all wouldn't be liking me either. So Yeah, no kidding. Um, so uh, he talks about how uh, it is... In James Cameron's story of science fiction, uh, Lucas described uh, the three next Star Wars films were going to get into the microbiotic world. But there's where this world of creatures that operate differently than we do. I call them the wills. And the wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the force. So if, you, if everyone was upset about the midichlorians, uh, I don't think the wills would have gotten the will to, to have been accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, the thing he, is, we're in the original drafts of the um, original Star Wars movie. Yeah, because uh, that's what I had running around in his head for years. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also added, if I held on to the company, I could have done it, and then it would have been done. Of course, a lot of fans would have hated it, just like they did the Phantom Menace and everything, but at least the whole story from beginning to end would be told. So that's that. But stories being told and the people who tell those stories, it's almost like a battle battle on okay. two fronts. I was wondering where you're going with that one. I'm like, wait a minute, where's he going here? And uh, I was wondering too, because I'm like, wait. I knew where you're supposed to be going, but I wasn't seeing the, the like path. But me either. Because I finally actually have Battlefront 2. Uh, yeah, Xbox last or like a month or so ago actually had uh, Battlefront 2 on sale. I got it um, for good price. And I've been actually having a lot of fun with it. Now, I'm not normally a um, shooter player. I don't play a lot of battle games like this and things. I play a lot more of the yeah, uh, role-playing games and such. But this is just fun. Uh, some of the stuff I've had been having fun with, the one I didn't expect to have fun with, but I, but it's a great interest or idea was the Ewok Hunt game on it. <laughs> Ewok Hunt, most of everybody that gets into the game plays as stormtroopers to start with. And you're just given your regular blaster and a um, flashlight. And that's all you get. You cannot see in the dark. And it's in the dark on um, Endor. you got to survive until extraction. Stormtroopers cannot see in the dark. And you get about a minute and a half with your flashlight. Then it's got to recharge for like 20 seconds. <laughs> it's got pitch black for another 20 seconds. Uh, so while you're trying to survive, if you die as a stormtrooper, you come back as an Ewok and start hunting the stormtroopers. So the Ewoks, in order for them to win, they have to kill all the stormtroopers. The stormtroopers, all you don't have to kill anybody. All you to get um, the most points, you just have to survive and escape. Hmm. So it's a, it's a blast playing this. Uh, another one is one we're gonna a mode we're gonna be talking about here is heroes and villains. Now they have both as starfighters and as um, characters in this one. It's a four-on-four battle in uh, in a d- different area. Uh, like if they did one, it was if it was heroes and villains on Endor, it would all be um, original trilogy heroes and villains. And you choose one of the iconic heroes or villains. There's about eight of them from each side. So whichever side you're on, you choose one of those heroes and villains, and you go in and is last man standing basically. Each round, there's a certain target that the computer randomly chooses, and if you're a hero, you got to defend your target or the target character while you're trying to kill the villain target character. But um, what? It, but the news we have here is that Battlefront 2 EA has announced we have some new characters coming at the end of this month because they're adding some of the Clone Wars battles to heroes and villains, and they've brought in. Now we know Clone Wars is coming back. Right. Well, the actors are not just going into studio for the Clone Wars episodes. They're also going into the studio for this. We have um, four of the original Clone Wars actors are going to play, voice their characters in this game. Matt Wood is coming in to do General Grievous. His character will be released on October 30th. And um, he says, I always love revisiting characters from the Clone Wars era because I feel like there are so many stories to be told. Now, we have the ability to actually set foot into Grievous's shoes and see how he operates in real time. That's really exciting to me, to be able to portray the character in such a way. I'm a gamer myself, so I can't wait to see how this, all this pans out with the what the, team's create, or the team has created. Then James Arnold Taylor is coming in to do Obi-Wan Kenobi releasing in November, and um, he says it's pro- it is probably the greatest honor for me as an actor to have gotten to play this character for so many years and in so many iterations. The television show, the video games, toys, and mo- a movie is one of those 
pin, pinch me moments in my life because I still kind of wake up some days and I go, I, I get to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's fantastic. Next up, Corey Burton is reprising Count Dooku coming out, coming in January. And his quote here was, it's always a joy to slip into the Sith cape. It's been a delight from, it's been a delight from the very start. I love playing these sorts of evil wizardly mastermind kind of characters where their strengths is in the, is in a quiet, intense simmer rather than the, than throwing thunderbolts and hollering. It's sort of very subtle and in and it draws you in instead of blasting out the performance and then finally matt lancer is coming back as anakin skywalker in february and uh matt said that i'm a gamer i i played the first star wars battlefront often not not really lately i've got a new baby at home and she's nine months so i haven't had a whole lot of um, gaming time recently but before that battlefront is my game i grew up playing first-person shooters i love star wars you know i perform star wars but i'm also a huge fan a mix of both is is um my perfect game to be able to be a part of a part of it is pretty incredible so those are gonna be awesome um it looks like as i said general grievous will be released on october 30th so get ready for that that's in what a week and a half yeah that's gonna be awesome to be able to play him in the heroes and villains setting i agree you guys just gotta get um battlefront too oh blame me i will eventually it's just a matter of timing it's a lot better and a lot more fun than I was really expecting. Like I said, I'm not a first-person shooter plan, player. I mean, I play it on third-person style, but still. Right. I I have too many other games to play right now. <laughs> I know that feeling, too. I still have Final Fantasy 15 that I've only played like two minutes of. <laughs> well, Just that time. Speaking of time, we're going back in time, so to speak, in the comics. Back to the future? No. <sighs> two. All right. Pop quiz time. If I were to ask you guys who you thought was the most popular character in the entire Star Wars universe, that would probably be a tough choice. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Oh, sorry. He's not in Star Wars. Never mind. Well, what else are you going to build it out of? But the DeLorean is in episode two. Yeah. In the Corsican uh, speeder chase scene. Oh, right, right, right. Anyway, as I was saying... (laughs) If I were to ask you who is the most popular character in the Star Wars universe, you might have a you might have a tough choice, and uh, opinions might vary on that one. Jackson, I sincerely doubt that. But anyway, <laughs> on the other hand, if I were to ask you who is the most hated character in the Star Wars universe, that might be an easier choice. And if you said Jar Jar Binks, you would probably be right. In fact, uh, he was one of the main things that people didn't like about Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, some people felt that his actions and accent were a little racist. Uh, but most people just find him really annoying. Uh, oddly enough, though, Jar Jar has had a few defenders over the years who feel that he ha- he could have been used better in the prequels. Uh, and if there are, are actually any fans of Jar Jar Binks, which there might be, uh, they're probably very young, uh, they can be happy to know that Jar Jar Binks is going to have his own story in Marvel's upcoming Star Wars Age of Republic special number one that is coming out in January. That's going to be a one-shot that tells the story of several characters from the prequel era 
but Jar Jar might just be the most infamous one to dedicate a tale to. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Jar Jar is in good hands since he's going to be written by Chip Zdarsky, uh, who has proven himself on numerous occasions in several books such as Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and Marvel 2-in-1. Um, both of which were able to balance comedy and drama really well. So is he might actually have, uh, he might be able to handle Jar Jar. So the Age of Republic special is going to be a part of Marvel's huge Star Wars event that will be told through a number of one shots, which I think we've talked about before. Yeah, it's, it's a series of 12. Yeah. Um, the stories are going to be set in the prequel era, as well as the timeline of the original trilogy and the current trilogy. Yeah, I think each trilogy gets four books each. I think so, yeah. And as we said, Star Wars Age of Republic special number one comes out in January, so you can read all about Jar Jar then. That or... <laughs> It's kind of hard to argue with you on that one. <laughs> Somewhere. I don't know. I've, I I may have to pick this up because I've always loved Jar Jar. That's just me. That is just you. Nothing. But that, thankfully, is all I have to say about Jar Jar. Excuse me. Oh, Lord. Uh, so, well, just for the fact that you talked about him. Miss Boston with happiness seeing you again. Oh, boy. Ah, Mori Mori. <laughs> well, um, there are some new photos out from Disney's Galaxy Edge, both California and Florida. Uh, the new addition is currently under construction at both theme parks and are expected to open to the public sometime next year. Uh, Target, I believe, is May for California and late fall for Florida. In the meantime, Galaxy's Edge has been literally going up an assortment of spy videos have been giving us peaks at the development and most in the most recent batch of images uh, have shown that the galaxy's edge is beginning to resemble that amazing scale model in the area that was unveiled last year. Even more exciting, it appears that the Falcon itself is being constructed at the center of the 14 acre constri- attraction. In other yes. words, the Falcon has finally touched down on Batu. Uh, here are some of the more recent photos from Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. Um, and uh, let's see. Trying to. I mean, this is impressive how this looks. Yeah, it is. In, in California. Be- in Florida, this is not that far off from this. It's actually becoming a reality. Yeah. It's so cool. The, the thing that is bothering me is the lack of walkway space around it. Yeah, inside of it. I means capacity is going to be tight. Yeah, well, it's hard to say for sure. It's only a frame right now, but... No, I mean, it, when you see the one picture of the over overhead view, you can see most most of where the planned walkway is supposed to be. And it, it looks fairly tight. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like I said, these are pretty far away. But um, I, I have a feeling they may actually limit ticket sales also at the beginning of this uh, a little bit. Have a certain amount of tickets or a certain amount of people per day. I mean, there's there's got to be a limit on how many they can allow in. They're probably going to do like they did with Avatar when, when that opened. And there's going to be a queue line. And they're only going to allow so many people in. And when so many people leave, they'll add the next group of people in. 
Yeah. Mm. Because when World of Pandora opened, there was at one point an eight hour wait to get in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was for like the first month. Yeah. But that was not this big, is it? No, no. Okay. But I say they're going to get more people in here. I think you're going to have a lot of people that come just for this. Oh, yeah. If, They'll if, spend all day just in here. If Disney was smart, they're, and they should follow through with the rumors that have been talked about. And that is you want to get into Hollywood Studios? Cool. It's your $100 ticket. You want to go during the first three months that Galaxy's Edge is open? It's an additional $100 ticket. If you do that, you're going to limit how many people go in, and it's going to help control the crowd some. Because when Harry Potter opened at Universal, it was just as nuts. I mean, people were lined up. I mean, it's, say, Harry Potter is on, in the like mid-right-hand side of the park. They had people lined up through the back, through Jurassic World, all the way down to Toon Island, almost all the way back around to Marvel Island, just to get in to Harry Potter. And this is at Islands of Adventure. And then when Diagonal Alley opened, oh, talking about even crowds getting worse. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was, it's like these people don't think about what the fandom is, what the culture is like, and what is going to happen. All they know is, oh, we got this, and this is going to be big. Uh, you're underestimating how big it is and I don't how think big it under- will be. This has got so much experience at this at this point that I don't think they're going to underestimate it. They underestimated yeah. with the world of Pandora. Well, that one, uh, I think that's based on one movie, and right. that was done um, like what ten years ago at this point, almost twelve years ago. Yeah, yeah. But people, people still. I mean, Disney still didn't estimate that. Oh, this has got as much of a following as it actually is, because um, it, it's got a good size following. Yeah, believe it or not, and I'm the movie. Yeah, just the movie. I am not a fan of the movie, but I am actually I I am actually surprised that it has done so amazingly well, fan wise. And I mean, kudos. I am so glad that you know the fans have have what they have. You know that they're there and they're supportive of it. But it it was more the it's more the what technology was coming to it and how and what they were touting with it. Plus with Disney, it was something new. Because previous to this, the, the last newest thing was, was the new fancy land at, at Magic Kingdom. And it, so you had all the Disney people coming in to see something new. Your I mean your your crowds for 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 Toy Story the first three weeks were insane because it was something new. Now, with Star Wars, you're going to have a, a lot of that. It's going to be probably 80% Star Wars fans, 20% Disney fans. But those, that 20% Disney fans are people who um, are there to see something new. That That's the biggest thing here, is they're wanting something new. Yeah. So, um, but speaking of something new, I think we got time. Let's, we got some new collectibles coming. If someone wants to tackle that, all right, I guess I will. Okay. Yeah, I think these you put these ones up, didn't you? Yeah. There? Well, <clears throat> let's see. I think first I will cover. Do we need to sit down for this? Yeah, sit down okay. for it. All right, I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so there is a design furniture designer. <laughs> He's Filipino. His name is Kenneth. Kobanpu, 
and he has started making furniture and other artwork based on Star Wars. And it's uh, it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, so he's actually in a partnership with Disney, which is cool. Um, and uh, he's, so he said, uh, at first I said, you don't need me for this because I don't make rec- replicas of machines and Star Wars fans will only buy something if there's the face of Darth Vader on it. I don't do that. Then uh, they said, no, no, no. We want you to interpret through the lens of a Filipino desire. So he drew on his childhood memories watching Star Wars in the 70s, and uh, he created a collection of Star Wars-based furniture in his own style. There are five pieces, um, and you can check them out on his Instagram page. Uh, of course, they're only available in the Philippines uh, for now, but uh, he, he does have interest outside his country uh so we could be seeing them eventually so he has an interesting chair armchair uh inspired by the tie fighters looks pretty cool um and he has an easy armchair inspired by darth sidious and his ominous hood and uh he has a, a little jedi hanging hanging lamp uh inspired by the jedi's battle against the sith lord which is cool. It's just a bunch of Jedi holding lightsabers. Uh, and then one for us, the Chewy rocking stool inspired <laughs> by Chewy and his bandolier. Looks like a big fuzzy rocking chair. <laughs> and of course, the Vader easy armchair inspired by the Dark Lord himself, which is pretty cool and has a nice little table attached to it. Mm-hmm. So those are those are fun. Now, next up, we have a little bit of Lego news. We always like Lego Lego news. And this is uh, up for pre-order, and it's Darth Vader's Castle. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Uh, yeah. So it is currently uh, up on the Lego shop. The set retails for $129.99. And it ships out on December 1st. Uh, of course, you know, Amazon might have it a little cheaper, but uh, they don't. They didn't have it for pre-order at the time of this article. And this thing is quite impressive. Yes, it is. Here's the, here's the official product description. Set the scene for action on planet Mustafar with Lego Star Wars 75251 Darth Vader's Castle. This building set of Vader's mysterious stronghold features lots of great details, including a brick-built lava flow, an underground hangar with mouse droid and docking station, ancient Sith shrine with holocron, racks for extra ammunition, and secret compartments hiding more Sith relics. The hangar also houses a buildable TIE Advanced Fighter model with stud shooters and space to sit the Darth Vader minifigure. There's also a Bacta tank, uh, Darth Vader's meditation chamber with holographic communication unit, and a meeting platform at the top with a defensive stud shooter cannon, as well as classic Darth Vader. The set also includes a Bacta tank version of the Darth Dark Lord, plus two royal guards and an imperial transport pilot. And a partridge in a pear tree. Indeed. <laughs> 
so uh it's uh <clears throat> it is a 1030 piece set it's not bad the, yeah uh the castle measures over 16 inches high 11 inches wide and nine inches deep wow Yes. Uh, the tie advance is a little smaller at uh, two inches high, four inches wide, and three inches long. And again, that is retailing for $129, which is actually not bad considering. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. And it looks sweet. Well, cool. Um, I think I might have added this one, but uh, there's the candles that are out. Um, it's oh, that's very five about that one. five per movie. Yes, and you have like Bantha's milk, uh, hey. Wookie. I'm afraid to know what that smells like. <laughs> Trash compactor, X-wing. Cockpit. That's the one I'd be worried about. In the cantina, that those all represent uh, represent Star Wars. Uh, with Empire, you have Inside of a Tauntaun, the Millennium Falcon, Yoda's cooking pot, Han Solo and Carbonite, and lightsaber duel. And then for Return of the Jedi, you got the Rancor, Sarlacc Pit, Jabba's Palace, Ewok, and Death, Death Star Destroyed. So, um, these are not cheap. The candle sets could be pre-ordered right here uh, with the link to the site. Um, where are they being sold on? Hey, here in a second. Star Wars sent by Merkoid. And the candle sets are 37 bucks each with free shipping in the U.S., uh, limited editions of the candles are also available for $53 each. And each will include an engraved plinth and a presentation box with a magnet magnetic closure. Now, if you want to purchase all the sets, you can purchase all three at a discount of $91.99 or 100 That's for the standard or 127 for the limited editions. Wow. So that's a lot to, to have the smell of the inside of a Tauntaun. <laughs> yeah but um keeping on with the collectibles hasbro just dropped the new figures for the star wars black series lineup that's coming uh this is going to be pre-order for wave 19 which will feature val from solo uh princess leia uh hoth edition lando and skiff guard dengar oh Getting closer to having all the bounty hunters. Uh, Imperial Patrol Trooper, uh, which that was, what, Solo? I'm not sure. I don't uh, know. Yeah, thanks. I have to, where's it at here? Uh, uh, Rio Durant. You didn't put this in the chat. Or in the, no, um, sorry. Uh, drop it into the docket now. And uh, L337. But we do know, coming shortly after this, will be Dr. Afra BT and trips in the six inch black series. And I will figure out some way, just like with the bounty hunters to get them all, to get all three of those and to get all five of the bounty hunters as they're made. So, and then, uh, we know Chuck Wendig was fired from Marvel last week. Well, they have officially, and it said, you know, there's going to delay, uh, the title of, um, shadow of the shadow of Vader, uh, which was supposed to go, into the mini into mini series in January, um, it has now been pulled. So at this point in time, uh, since he has to finish the scripts for the first three issues, 
or he Wendig has said he's finished the script for the first three, just would have to handle the last two. Um, uh, chances are this is being revealed that, um, it's being pulled because of that. I don't think I, I don't remember seeing anyone post up yet. The, uh, solicits for January because mm. I haven't seen anything on, uh, rebel scum yet. It's too, er- I know I haven't gotten the solicits yet. I, I think it's too soon, but who knows? So, um, do we have anything else? Uh, oh, I had a, a real quick one. Did you guys watch Supergirl this week? Yep. No. I got a shout out. Tia Surkar was on there this week. Really? Playing in it, playing one of the aliens. And the interesting thing is, we have Sam Witwer is a series regular for this season, playing the villain, Agent Liberty. And I do have a spoiler. Anybody who doesn't want to hear this, um, it's the spoiler alert that Darth Maul kills Sabine Wren in this. Oh. And <laughs> Agent Liberty kills the alien that Tia Surkar is playing. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, yeah. That's not right. Yeah, it was awesome to see Tia there. Congratulations for um, the, a role in another huge geek franchise. Yeah. Although it was a short-lived role. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I knew familiar mm-hmm. when I saw her. And then later on, um, I heard on another podcast I was listening to that they mentioned her the name. I'm like, oh, now I remember why she looks so familiar. Mm. Uh, did we talk about the Porgs on air? That I got. I don't know. Nope. No. Oh, I, I got my daughter the Black Series Porgs. And we're trying to figure out where are they from? And they are not, at least according to uh, according to um, Rebel Scum, they are not part of the three, not three and three quarter inch figures. Mm-hmm. So now I have no clue where they're from. Probably they must go with the six inch. They must. Yeah. You gotta remember in the movies, like I said, porgs are about the size of a chicken. True. Just ask Chew. Tastes like it too. Mm, chicken. Mm. Mm, pork. 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 <laughs> it's what's for dinner. The other other white meat. <laughs> Wait, uh, these are a part the Black Series, according to Rebel Scum, the Black Series porgs, since six inch scale two pack featured on on this page were announced in October of twenty seventeen and became available the following spring. So uh, they are for the six-inch figs. Yeah, I may need to get more. Because mm-hmm. the one, apparently you can move the swings. This would be too much for Zoe. Mm-hmm. She have, she's already pork crazy as it is. <laughs> well, don't forget about that Lego pork. Oh, I mean the one that we've got set back for her birthday? <laughs> yes, we picked it up. Yes, she has seen it. No. <laughs> Yes, he's going to end up most likely building it. <laughs> so, yeah, I I didn't think things were going to be for the six inch, but no, I mean, they're cute. <laughs> I want to tape one to a toothpick and, and, and lean up and make some toothpicks look like campfire. No, no, mm-hmm. now, now you got me thinking. I have the Ewok Village. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to get one of these and I, I'm going to have to get down my Ewok Village and, um, I don't. I think I still have. I think I do have the wood that the spit and the um that sits over the fire pit. If not, I can I can make that. I, I'm gonna have to roast one over a fire pit with Ewoks around it with spears. <laughs> <laughs> See this coming? I, okay, I gotta find these things. Uh, I actually ordered off Star Wars uh, off uh, Walmart.com. How much was it? Six bucks. Okay, that's not bad. I can do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, considering what they are. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good price. It really is. Uh, any other final thoughts as we derailed there for a minute? Mm-hmm. Nope. That's all I got. Yeah. Look for that coming at some point to the um, Wookie Radio Instagram and social network feeds. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so we can show Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking on, uh, since we're look, talking about it, Rebel Scum, their vintage collection photo archive. There's Boba Fett Empire, Boba Fett Return, Forlom, which... It, to do what I want, I would have to get the Empire Boba Fett. Uh, Four Lom is out in Vin. Oh, this is Vintage, not Black Series. Still, I want to get these as well. Um, so those were early. Um, I know people are shouting at shouting at us, but there's also this one. Um, I could have sworn there was a Dengar. But I'm not seeing Dengar. I have the Zuckus of I have the Zuckus of Four Lom that are mislabeled. On purpose, because that was a Celebration exclusive from Celebration 5 from Hasbro. They, oh, really? They, one they, Celebration exclusive. Well, they... they extra figure. Well, when they, when they did the exclusive for Celebration, they purposely did it where 4LOM was labeled Zuckus, and Zuckus was labeled 4LOM, just like it was back in the day. Huh. Cool. So, but this is kind of behind, because I'm not seeing... Uh, I see the Ahsoka from Clone Wars, but I'm not seeing uh, Afro or some of the new stuff. But, oh well. Um, before I take us off on another tangent, which could be dangerous at this point in time. Uh, any final thoughts? <laughs> nope. I know I said it once before. <laughs> well, I think you said it like five times already. Well, I think that might be the <laughs> name of the episode. Episode 80-something. Any more final thoughts? Uh, actually, I think we're on 87. Is it? Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We okay. we may hit a hundred this year before the end of the year. I don't know yet. If we do, awesome. If we don't, hey, that's okay too. Uh, I don't know if we have enough weeks left for that. Well it depends on whether we get a guest as, as well between now and then too. To to bank for for an episode. I know that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. But well, since there's no other final thoughts, going once, going twice. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jet, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Excuse me.